3: Get
1: your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love
2: Hello and welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We're the dedicated weekly show that goes to the heart of all things Southampton Football Club. As always, we're live streaming this episode on Facebook, X, Twitch and YouTube. We might be in the midst of another international break, but we couldn't let you down by taking a week off ourselves. So here we are again. My name is Ben Stanfield and tonight I'm joined by regular TSP panellist and owner of the League One Minus Ten blog, Glenda Lacour. Arguably the hardest working Saints journalist on the Daily Echo Sports Desk, George Reese julian and another esteemed journalist, but more importantly, Saints fan and TSP patron, Nick Harris. Now, as regularly mentioned, this podcast is entirely supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make the show each week. We have four patron tiers, ranging from £5 to £20 per month, each offering their own unique perks. If you would like to get involved in supporting TSP each month, please head over to patreon.com slash totalsaintspodcast where you'll find all the details you need. One person who has done just that this week is Nigel Reed, who joined our Bobby Stokes tier. So, Nigel, a very big thank you for supporting us and welcome to the TSP community. OK, on this week's episode, alongside some reflections on Thursday night's Football Content Awards and interesting financial times at Everton, which may or may not impact Saints further down the road, we'll again be answering one or two of your questions. So please do get in touch. Simply drop your thoughts or comments into the live YouTube or Facebook feed and we'll do our best to discuss them and answer later on. Underpinned by our global patrons, this is Total Saints Podcast, episode 252. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints podcast. In the meantime, let's start with some Saints discussion. Glenn, as I mentioned just now, we're in the middle of the international break currently. A, a good time, as always, to take stock and reflect. Um, Saints are fourth in the championship with 30 games still to play. Unbeaten and eight, which is obviously our best run in 10 years or so. If someone had offered uh, <laughs> you this position at the start of the season, would you have said yes, please?
5: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think so, without a doubt. I think we all thought that it was possibly going to be a slow start, and we actually exceeded expectations in the first few games by, um, you know, by winning a couple um, or winning three, whatever it was, in the first four games. Then the the the, um, the sticky period happened, of course, where we um, where we lost four on the bounce. But after the you know the, the Sunderland and the Leicester games were the bad ones, but I could see. You know Russell Martin working things out in the Ipswich and uh, and Middlesbrough game, even even though we lost, and and things were gradually improving, even though we lost those two games. And then you know the Leeds game kind of was pivotal to turning the turning the whole thing around, really. And um, we played as well in that first half as we've played in any game for a number of years. Um, saw that game out comfortably, and and since then different tests have come along. You know Stoke away was a real battle, and there was all the handbags at the end and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And we managed to come through that bit of a blip in that Rotherham game, where you know the, we win that game ninety-nine times out of hundred, but we ended up chucking two points away. And, and since then, everything's been good, and um, I've been impressed with a number of things, not least the the spirit that's been shown. Um, you know, to to pick up all these late goals that we've been getting, which is obviously yep. a byproduct of the the style of football with um, you know Russell Martin insistent on us. Trying to keep the ball as much as possible. There's still, you know, slight issues. we at times we're slightly lacking up front, and sometimes mm-hmm. we just pass the ball around for the sake of it for twenty minutes without stretching the defense at all. But you you can see it's going in the right direction, and um, I firmly believe that you know the the new striker we've uh, we've just got fit will will hopefully transform the um, the attacking output a little bit, and then. And then we'll see a, we'll see a proper team. So, bearing in mind all the all the turnover that's that's gone on of players and and all that sort of stuff, to be where we are at the moment is um, is a really good um, is a really good place to be and a, a really good start to the season.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Um- Nick, great to have you on the, the pod again. Thanks for for joining us. Um, I, I was going to ask you, obviously, we've not had a chance to, to speak to you like uh, we have with, with George and obviously Glenn uh, this season. What what were your thoughts on hearing Russell Martin had been uh, appointed in the summer? And, you know, what have you made of Here's an hour overall sort of progress since? Are you, you satisfied?
0: Yeah, I think I am. I think the key thing that I like about him is he's very level. He's a good communicator. He's a good communicator publicly. From what I hear, he's quite a good communicator in the dressing room, he's building that team spirit. I, I thought I didn't, you know, I knew about his, his work at Swansea and stuff. He'd arguably underachieved at his previous clubs. While having a reputation for possession football, it didn't necessarily lead to you know significant, you know, results in terms of getting out of the division or whatever. But yeah, I've been impressed. I think you, you have to take account of the fact that we lost Ward prowse Lavia, Tino Livramento and Nathan Teller, just to name four. Those are the four who actually, I know Teller wasn't here last season, but at the beginning of this season, he looked like he, he could be quite good for us. So mm-hmm. I was quite disappointed when he went out. I didn't really know what, what the issue was of letting him go. But clearly Ward-Prowse is a big miss. Tino had been injured, but you know, got a very bright future and, and Teller. So the fact that we lost players of those significance and a bunch of other players sold or on loan of less significance... And have then had quite a lot of change. You know, I know one of the guys said on last week or the week before, I think it might have been Steve, was saying, fundamentally, we've still got, you know, the basic parts of a Premier League squad. Well, I only think that's half true. Yes, we've still got some good players who've played Premier League football, but Mm. this squad is still young, uh, not necessarily young, sorry either inexperienced or like Harwood Bellis, who's got great potential, you know, um, it's, it's still a sort of a mixture that I'm not sure would be, th- it's, this squad would not be thriving in the Premier League. It would be, mm-hmm. it would, it would be, <laughs> it would be, you know, battling in the bottom seven or eight. Okay. If not lower. So we've got this, a, a very, sort of rag squad but it is starting to gel and now when you look at you've got downs and you've got you know I've I've always liked Alcaraz from day one Suleiman is now coming good you know in fits and starts but he's coming good Uh, Howard Bellis is good you know Bednarek I mean I'm very slightly reappraising my view of Nathan Jones these days because because actually he was a nightmare right he was out of his depth and he was appalling communicator and he just didn't get it and he made things worse for himself but actually you hear him as a pundit on the radio now and actually and I've met a couple of people when I spent a week at Brighton a few weeks ago for a work thing he played there they know him they say actually he's, he's a decent guy and the whole Bednarek thing you know the Yanni B thing which made me cringe at the time but Bednarek has actually been a real solid person this season so overall yeah I'm, I'm pleased with Russell he's doing as well if not better than I expected it's starting to gel um There's certainly lots of promise. I would be disappointed if we don't sort of maintain top six. Still not sure we're going to close the gap, although Ipswich squad's probably too thin to last the course. I think Mm -hmm. Leicester are going up automatically and then we'll see. But yeah, I mean, look, it's better than being in the Premier League for the last few seasons, isn't it?
2: Indeed, indeed. It's just nice to win games again, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I mean, George, obviously the last time you came on, I think we'd uh, we'd lost 5-0 to Sunderland, which I think we were all in a, a mild state of shock, weren't we? But uh, again, you, you know, like, like, like Glenn said, I mean, you must be pleased with what you've seen, watching them week in, week out for the last sort of six to
3: eight weeks. Yeah, it feels like a totally different side, really, doesn't it, since the last yeah. time I come on the podcast. Then they looked like a side who were maybe going to fall apart in games, or if they didn't start very well, they were going to concede lots of goals, and they still need to find that consistency with clean sheets. They've only got two so far this season, which is probably a sticking point, especially defensively for the side, but they have started to get better, as the guys have touched on there. We've got to remember as well, it's still only 16, 17, including the League Cup game, into the old Russell Martin project, because... As we sort of touched on in the podcast previously, it does take time for this team to gel. And we are starting to see that now. And unfortunately, I guess, the way Leicester and Ipswich have started this season, the best start to the championship ever, Southampton would be right there in the top two had they probably not started the season as well as they have. So if you look at the points total, 30 points is is really, really good after 16 games, I think.
2: Yeah, I've been watching some of the mission to Burnley over the last... uh week or so and you, you look at where they were and I know Alfie talks about it a bit uh the amount of games they play versus the points they got compared to us and yet we're still not yeah up up there in the top two it does uh feel a little bit odd but um st- sticking with you George um obviously the Daily Echo announced uh on Friday that uh with the legend that is Laurie McManamy um stepping back from the column with you guys after 20 years or so that uh franny Bernali was obviously going to step in i know when glenn and i were speaking to, to alfie about it on friday he was uh in his normal way buzzing i think was the word that he used about it but are you looking forward to kind of working with franny and getting some of his insight over the, the coming months and years
3: yeah it's great to to work with him i spoke to him for his first column and it was nice to chat to him and especially because he's, he's still doing his videos he's still clearly looking at southampton he's he's a constant voice on Southampton isn't he so it's nice to get someone in who's always watching the games who has an understanding of football who clearly cares about the club and to get him on as a weekly columnist is going to be really exciting going forward I think yeah
2: absolutely and uh, Nick moving on then uh, I mentioned it in the the start there um I just wanted to, to sort of touch on the the Everton financial situation that became public on Friday as well um obviously with the announcement for those that don't know that they'd be immediately docked um 10 Premier League points after being found guilty by an independent panel of uh, reaching financial fair play Look, I, I know we're a Southampton podcast we're not an Everton podcast so we don't need to spend ages talking about Everton but there is a, a potential Saints angle to this and um, I know and I'm sure many do that you spend a lot of time writing about finances in the Premier League yeah, I know you were on the podcast earlier today with Alan Shearer and Gary Lineker talking about it so as high level as possible are you, you surprised what's happened with Everton and I suppose more importantly from a, a Saints point of view can you sort of summarize how or if it might impact us?
0: Yeah, I'm, I am surprised. I, I, I am surprised it was 10 points. I didn't expect it to be that hard. They can appeal. It might get dropped a bit. But when you read the, you know, the gray detailed 45 page ruling, it's clear why they were punished. Um, they, It was an avoidable situation. They knew it was coming. They'd been warned about how they could avoid it. I stop buying players, cut your cloth a little bit and they would have been fine. They ignored it. They willfully ignored the advice and and that's why they got punished. Yeah, so if listeners do want to sort of get into a bit more in the in the reeds thing of the whole thing, like you said, um, um Gary invited me on The, the Rest is Football So Me and um, Saints legend Alan Shearer recorded that this morning and that also comes out Monday. But the way it would it might impact Saints is because Everton escaped relegation last year in a season when they have, have apparently benefited from cheating, for want of a better word, mm-hmm. then the clubs who were relegated or who were in or, in or around relegation Um, believe, some of them believe, George will know more probably about the Saints, Saints part of this, but believe that they could sue for compensation because they went down instead of Everton, who might have gone down if they hadn't cheated by spending more money. I think as the situation stands, I believe Burnley, who were relegated in the previous season, plus Leeds and Leicester, are considering legal action against Everton. I think they're going to sue for about £100 million each. I don't think they've got a hope in hell of of getting that much, but I do think there is a chance that they might win some damages, no matter how nominal. Uh, We can all remember West Ham signing Tevez and Mascarano, and they were third-party-owned players, which was illegal. Sheffield United ended up with £20 quid from suing them. So um, perhaps throw to george george i don't know if you've heard anything in the club is there an appetite for saints to sue i think it would be stupid our relegation was absolutely nothing at all to do with everton our relegation was to do with the fact that we were absolutely mints on and off the pinch (laughs) for most of last season so i'd be embarrassed like i said but over to george i don't know if you've heard anything
3: i think all we sort of know from from Right now, is what Alfie sort of tweeted out when the, the whole story broke that Saints are currently just considering what their stance is at the moment. Yeah. And they're probably going to, we'll probably find out a little bit more as the whole sort of thing develops over the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah.
0: But that's the only Saints involvement. You know, if we joined it, which would be
2: ludicrous we might get a few quid. But frankly, we should stay out of it. Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, 2008 FA Cup winners. I'm pretty sure they cheated, didn't they? But uh, that's another story. But uh, Glenn, um, I, I was going to ask you from a sort of Saints fans point of view, um, does it, I mean, obviously you want these things to be reached out. I mean, there's other clubs that seem to get away with doing very similar. and We know yeah. we know who they are without getting li- uh, liable here. But, uh, um, you know, what's your thoughts from a, a fan's point of view? Does it feel like a bit of an unwanted distraction or do you think the, the club should stand their ground? I mean, we were pretty average last year.
5: Um, I think it's very much an unwanted distraction. We've kind of drawn a line under what happened last year when we got relegated. We've appointed someone who is looking like being a half-decent manager. The the problems we had last year, which were partly to do with Sport Republic probably being a little bit too close to the football side, let's put it Mm -hmm. like that, that's not happening this season. Um, so everything seems to be going in the right direction. We've had Jason Wilcox's appointment, Russell Martin's appointment. We've sorted out the playing staff. We're playing decent football. We're going forward. Why drag up last season again when, as Nick said, it would be embarrassing to do so. We we got relegated because we were garbage. If, Evan and, if Everton hadn't have existed last season, we still would have finished last. <laughs> yeah. And we still yeah. would have got relegated. We got we got three points, so it's probably about forty percent of our points we got <laughs> off Everton last year. So, uh, whatever way you look at it, I I can't see any angle for Saints to get involved, and I just don't. You know, the sort of risk and reward—if you weigh it up, I just I just don't see that. There's, yeah, a few quid. So what? I I just I just don't see it, and I think any case that we put forward. If I was any sort of judge, if you like, I'd just laugh it out because it made no difference to us whatsoever, is my Mm. opinion. But obviously people who are more more involved. I mean, I guess you could argue that if if Everton signed, I don't know, a striker who scored 10 goals, who you were going to sign, but you couldn't because Everton bought him. Mm -hmm. I guess you could maybe argue that. To say, you know, they bought a player that with money they didn't
2: have, basically. Well, it would have been interesting if they bought Shea Adams and Suleimano, who they were after, right?
5: Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, we all all knew what Everton were trying to do this summer, which was to to sign a player and then pay it back over the next 30 years or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there you go.
0: Two quick points on what Glenn said. I completely agree. Not only would it be a distraction... Once You start hiring KCs and getting bogged down in legals, you could spend literally millions of pounds yeah, in legal yeah. fees and then lose. So, that so just don't do that. And secondly, I don't think we should go after Everton because they've given us the great gift of Mason Holgate.
2: <laughs> pink, pink boots and bleach hair is uh, is enough to win us over, right? So, uh, cool. And, and and Nick, just forgetting about Everton for a moment, then, um, you know, I, I suppose, well, most of us are, are loving the EFL, you know, winning matches again, no VAR, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, as I said, you know, you're you're a bit of an expert in the financial um, space and thinking about the incentives of the Premier League. I mean, how important do you think it is for Saints that they do actually get promoted this season or next from a financial point of view?
0: From a financial point of view. Yeah, I mean, of course, you want to be up in that league where you're going to get £120 million for finishing bottom. I mean, it's where I suppose I was going to say it's where people want to play, but, you know, quite like the championship of course I want to win of course I want us to be successful I want us to get promoted but it's just it's just a much more pleasant experience winning football matches but yeah you, yeah. you know it's just more enjoyable and as for VAR I mean I, I was pro VAR then I was on the fence with VAR since we've been in the championship I think actually I'm really at the point of just been VAR just bin mm-hmm. VAR you, yeah. just the relief of not having it in this division and I am i know I understand intellectually. I'm on board in theory with the system that eradicates errors, but certainly the way we're using it in this country is not doing that. Um, but back to the money side of things. Of course, there's an enormous amount of money for going to the Premier League. And all I would say is you want to get back as soon as possible because the longer you stay out, the less money you'll have and the less you'll actually be able to compete to get back. Mm-hmm. So really Financially, you need to get back quickly inside yeah. the parachute period payment, ideally. Yeah. Um, Because otherwise, you know, unless you're suddenly innovating in a Brighton way or a Brentford way with recruitment and using all those sort of things to your advantage, you you know, you'll be with 24 teams, 16 of whom might have as good a chance as you. I'm talking about a couple of years down the line, Mm -hmm. you know, if we can't afford the current wage bill and whatever. So, yeah, it's imperative to get back soon. But Yeah. From the fans you, you turn yeah. into
5: Norwich. Look at Norwich this season. Yeah. you know, they, they got really go, a couple of years stuff ago. Like that. Yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. yeah, and they're they're having a bit of a shocker, uh, having had a bit of a bright opening, and you you yeah. don't want to you don't want to end up in a couple of seasons being like that, where the championship that yeah, it's, it's great at the moment. It's a little bit of a novelty, but yeah. if you're there for two or three seasons, that novelty wears off, and, and so does and, the money. Yeah. And your team becomes a very average. Team, yeah. uh, you know, as, go back to the previous point. We've still got some Premier League level players. Yeah, you won't have those. I mean, yeah. just look at the current squad. Even if we don't go up this year, you can say mm-hmm. goodbye to Howard Bellis, Downs, probably Walker Peters. That's three yeah. of your best. Yep. Yeah, that's three of your best players straight away. So, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you, the longer you stay there, the more issues you've got.
2: Yeah. yeah some interesting comments coming through i can uh, <clears throat> see here sink and tully saying we need another division between the prem and the championship uh local jetty said it would be confusing but you're spot on mate and uh it says the leap from the championship to the prem just feels like too much these days um but look i mean hmm. m- moving on i suppose just to, to finish the saint section george i, I couldn't um, um make make sure that we uh, didn't uh, mention the the women's team today of course uh, another fantastic win for them four three over Crystal Palace thanks to Katie Wilkinson's late winner. Um, season third in the league I think if my uh, research is right and just one point now behind Charlton and Sunderland. Obviously it sets them up really nicely for a, a, a big week.
3: Yeah it's another really good win. The championship in the women's games just as competitive as the men's one really. It's kind of all those teams at the top of the league I and mean, unfortunately I guess there's only one promotion spot so you can miss out by a couple of points and you don't even get a chance to go through the playoffs like you would do in the men's league. But their season's been a little bit stop start really. They've they've won some games and then they've lost some games. They've already lost four this season, which I think is the number that Bristol City lost last year. And they were of course went up. So on that side of things it's probably a little bit disappointing. But like you said, they're just one point off it and Arsenal coming up next. They've already sold a record number of tickets for that one should be another really good game at St. Mary's and hopefully ticket sales doesn't always translate into an attendance but hopefully it should be a new record attendance.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. Um, obviously, Alfie. Um, I know. I know. You mentioned that you see a lot of them. You go and watch them regularly. Are you, are you impressed from what you've seen of them this season? And, and almost, I know they get a lot of support financially, but in terms of how they are progressing as a side over the last sort of twelve months or so.
3: Well, unfortunately, I seem to have covered all the games they've lost this season. I think they've lost <laughs> three or four games when I've been there. So maybe I'm the curse. Maybe I should stay away for the Arsenal game. But I have been impressed. I watched a couple of their games last season, especially when they went through that that patch where they just didn't seem like a side who could score any goals. And today they've scored four. So there's clearly a, a change there. They can hit the back of the net more often now, but I think there's still a little bit of room for growth, but the championship is just so competitive. Every single year, the women's game gets more competitive. There's more sides with money investment and the teams just get better. There's, not as many whipping teams in the Championship as there was previously. You had someone like Coventry United last year who would basically lose every single game because they had to go semi-pro. They almost went bankrupt. You don't really have that anymore in the Women's Championship. So you are going to get these games where you're probably disappointed that you've lost. So I think their season, as the season's gone on, they have started to look better, but they just need that consistency if they're going to go up.
4: Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Excellent. All right. Well, before we get on to some of your questions,
2: I just wanted to signpost an exclusive interview that we'll be posting later in the week. Yes, Martin recently caught up with former Saints captain Klaus Lundekvam. Klaus was so generous with his time, and we think you're going to love the interview. They covered everything from his years on the South Coast, his battles with mental health and addiction, what the Saints community still means to him, and his new business venture, Born Supporter. A huge thanks to everyone who submitted a question in the week as well. We tried to get as many of those in as possible. We'll be posting the full discussion on Wednesday as a podcast, episode Wednesday morning, and then the full YouTube video later in the day around 6pm UK time. To get you in the mood, here's a short clip from the interview.
5: It was absolutely magic to uh, see so many Saints uh, fans again last weekend against Birmingham at, at home. Uh, in general, to come back to Southampton is like coming home to me. So it's, yeah, always great to uh, reconnect to, to the fans. And like I said early on, uh, what would we be without the fans? And and Southampton fans is, is, is incredibly loyal to the club. And, um, yeah, I will... Uh, Love them for the rest of my lives and what they've given me of support over so many years. I will never ever forget.
2: So uh, I love them dearly. Once again, a huge thanks to Klaus for his time and make sure to keep an eye on our socials for a competition we're running in partnership with Born Supporter. Klaus has kindly given us a Born Supporter poster to give away, so we'll be promoting that on Facebook and X over the next week before Martin announces the winner on TSP two five three next Sunday. Right, let's move on to answer some of your questions via the Facebook and or YouTube feed. So thank you very much for sending them through. I can see a, a few coming through here. I'm going to start with the one to you, Glenn, from TubbyTR. Um He said here, still a little way to go, but what positions do you feel we might need to improve in the January transfer mm. window? I know when we were in Liverpool, you were starting to sort of murmur about the t- January transfer window. So you're already starting to think about it. So any thoughts so far?
5: You could strengthen virtually every position. Some are obviously... More pressing than others, uh, for example, we, you know, centre half, we're very well stocked. I would say, you know, left back is a bit of a questionable position for us, but we've got two players who can do a job there in Ryan Manning and James Bree. We're hoping Ross Stewart is the answer up front. I would maybe look at another midfield player. We seem to be a little bit like when Will Smallbone got injured last week against West Brom. Could have bought Shay Charles on, but he's more defensive. And uh, Russell Martin took a bit of a gamble went with went with Ryan Fraser, and we lost a bit of control in midfield. So maybe we're a little bit light of midfield players because the yeah, as I say, the backups are you know Shay Charles, who's very defensive. He's he's another he's a replacement for Flynn Downs, really, and um, Joe Rebo, who, who doesn't really work. Um, so yeah, so maybe they need another player there they haven't really replaced Nathan Teller in terms of goal output from the wings. Um, So maybe that's another area, but I mean, to me, I think more, more, it's a case of Suleiman has got to step in with a, with a few goals because he hasn't got any yet. And he's, he's playing now sort of like very high up the pitch. He needs to be more of a goal threat and we can't just leave it to Adam Armstrong to, um, to, to pop up. So, yeah, maybe I'd look at the wide areas. I don't know backup goal, backup goalkeeper. It's difficult to sign a backup. Um, we, I think, I don't know how long McCarthy's contract is for. I think it, it's certainly for the rest of this season. Yeah. So I think they're they're not going to look in that area. They've got Joe Lumley as well as the the sort of third choice. And I mm-hmm. guess they'd be happy for him to uh, to be second choice if um, if McCarthy left. You know, Che Adams could be on his way out in January. So, and I would say that's probably the most likely departure mm-hmm. that we've got so i mean you you've still got sekumara as a as a as a backup so maybe may another striker but uh but if i had to pick one position i'd um, i'd go for the sort of the the sort of number 8 midfielder
2: yeah yeah george from what you've seen um any any sort of anything else you'd add to that or anything different that's standing out in terms of gaps
3: I think what Glenn sort of touched on there about players who could eventually leave or in January is kind of where it may sort of sway the transfer dealings. Not that I've heard anything about Carl Walker-Peters, but he's someone who you might think a Premier League side who are looking for a right back might come in for him. Fingers crossed they don't because he's clearly the best right back in the leagues. But if something sort of happened there, you'd you'd have to replace him and you'd have to go and get someone who is just as good as him because you can't lose someone who is that important to the team. So I think if there is going to be any sort of transfer dealings, if, I imagine the club are already looking at loads of sort of different scenarios, but I think they may need to sort of focus on getting the replacements in if someone does come in in January. Because we see quite a lot, don't we, in the Championship, especially that Premier League clubs look down to the Championship if they're having a bit of a middling season. They're not really happy with where they're going. They might go and look at okay, who's the best player in the Championship? They don't want to come and get go and get someone who's not really proven in the English game. They want to get someone who's a little bit more settled. So that could be something that we may need to keep an eye on. But fingers crossed none of the key players do end up leaving.
2: Yeah. Um, Nick, I, I can see questions here from from Scott and also Leek Farrendon that kind of allude to a little bit what George and uh, Glenn were talking about there. Specifically, I suppose Shea Adams is, is kind of the the standout of the moment because we've obviously got Adam Armstrong banging in goals. Ross Stewart's obviously come in. He's, he's Russell Martin signing. He's, clearly going to give him opportunities as well so it probably feels in terms of outgoings you know that we can't afford to to let go until the summer at the very very least that Shea's probably the one person at the moment that isn't necessarily doing the business has got a bit of a a market value I suppose two questions one can you see him going and two do you want to see him go and do you feel feel like it's chance to get some money for him before his contract runs out or is he someone we should be holding on to? Well
0: I think if we can get money for him we should sell him in January and and use that money to buy another striker because he's not he's not doing it i mean we know his miss record is incredible and also i think he got his head turned in the summer anyway you know he, he was expecting to go i don't i don't you know i like him as a bloke i think he's he's been okay but he's never pulled up trees so yeah um i think we should sell him and try and get somebody else but i don't know who that person would be somebody who's hungrier basically and and then the other thing that Glenn said, of course, is right. I mean, Kyle Walker-Peters is just you'd have to do whatever you need to keep him because he's like he's one of our best players. And uh, keeping him is more important than buying somebody else in any position. Like retain this group of players, apart from Shay, who I don't mind if he gets sold. But I'm, think, I'm not convinced. This... I'm not. Well,
5: no, so I think there's got to be a good chance of keeping Kyle, though, unless a unless Manchester United come in for him or someone like that, because they persuaded yeah. him to stay in the summer.
0: Yeah. No, you no, know, I hope we so, keep, I'm hoping we do yeah. keep him, but but if... No, but you know, I'm like, quite
5: positive that we will, unless one of yeah. the huge boys comes in for him.
0: Or unless one of the middling boys came in for him, offering him a lot more money. I mean, I don't yeah. know what he's on, but, you know, you could get a Crystal Palace or a whoever, Forest or whoever, coming in.
5: Yeah, that'd be disappointing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine the ignominy if he went to Luton?
5: Yeah, or Bournemouth. It'd just exactly. be horrible, wouldn't it? Yeah.
0: So, but so yeah, no. Hopefully, we keep him. Hopefully, they keep him happy, and and that's more important than bringing in new bodies. I think the group. I mean, when you actually look at the size of our squad, including all the people who are out on loan, you know, mm. it is absolutely enormous. Mm. They still need to properly clear out and and work. You know, our squad's our squad's not terrible for the championship. Yeah. And like if Ross Stewart starts starts um scoring goals, that will also make a difference.
5: So sell Carl Walker Peters and bring Leanko back. That <laughs> yeah, that's that's
0: exactly that's, it. Excellent
2: that's the you say. It, it, okay. it, feels like, it feels like a good sign, George. I think um you know, the manager's doing all right now. We're getting results, the tactics. You know, people have started um, stopped talking about that. Maybe they started talking more about the january transfer window. And uh, I can see, um, I know um, Alfie was talking about Sekumara recently after the, the Preston performance, where I, I have to say, I didn't think he was very good. Just um, Saint194 said, probably uh, our final question, should we loan Mara out to another club in the championship who could offer him regular starts and hopefully score versus the likes of Leeds, Leicester, which I mean, A, you know, would you loan him out to someone in the championship? B, could you even see him do it in the championship if you can't do it for us.
3: I think when it comes to loans, you kind of got to weigh up a lot of things, haven't you? Because a player can go out on loan and they can do well at one club and then come back and then just not really perform. If you look at someone like Morgan Whittaker, to use a Russell Martin example, he got loaned out to Plymouth, did really, really well in League One, comes back to Swansea and just doesn't perform. So sometimes it's they're not performing under the manager. And I know Sakumara didn't perform under thousands of managers in the Premier League last season. So there's a little <laughs> bit more of question marks around that for him. But I think if he was a go-to a team in the Championship, he he would maybe get that more consistency in his game. But would the goals come? We don't necessarily know. I'd maybe look towards maybe loaning him to like a French side or something because he seemed to perform when he was in France Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a bit more settled there, you'd imagine. He was recently in Thierry Henry's under-21 squad and he scored a goal for them. Mm. So, if you're going to look at a loan, maybe it's it's better to move move him on to a club who are going to give him that more comfortability. He's going to feel more at home and hopefully that can then make him a better player. But I think progression in young players is, is never linear. Sometimes a player can be really, really good when they're young, then sort of have a real fall off and then hit top form a little bit later on in their season. But I think alone could maybe be good for him. But then if injuries do start happening and the championship is so hectic, then all of a sudden you're you're looking at towards one of the younger, less experienced players than someone like a sekumara Mara to come into the side. So there's loads of things they've got to weigh up.
2: Yeah. And I, and I suppose that's the thing, Glenn, is it? As we keep getting results, he's obviously starting to stick with the settled side. You know, we've already seen the likes yeah. of Sam Amo, you know, drop out for obvious reasons that we've discussed before, his fitness, his, you know, his age, things like that. Sekumara is not going to get the chances with Saints to kind of do exactly what George has just said there.
5: Well, I mean, he may do if Che Adams does go, you mm-hmm. know, so that that's a factor to, to what we do with Sekumara, obviously. If if Adams goes does go, we've either got to find another striker or we've got to um, keep Sekumara for the for for the rest of the season, um, I I totally agree with um, what George said there. If they're going to loan him anywhere, loan him to a French side. I'm I'm just never keen on um, players loaning to the same division. I just think it's ridiculous, and uh, I think people are beginning to um, to wake up to that now. It seems that the the Premier League might actually do something about that. You know, at, at that level. So uh, no, I I gave the example a couple of weeks ago of um, James Bree came in from absolutely nowhere and played the wrong side of the pitch, played really, really well and has stayed in the team and deservedly so. He you know, he had a chance and he's taken it. My issue with Sekumara is that he's had quite a few chances and he ain't taken any of them, really. So, you know, he's got to look at James Burry as an example of what of what you have to do when you get given even 45 minutes, 20 minutes as a substitute, whatever, you've got to come on and make an impact. And there's been too many times where where he's come on and, and done nothing. So he strikes me as a player who needs a good kick up the ass. I know mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be doing that these days and it's all softly, softly sort of thing, but he looks like the, the classic player who needs to be, you know, shaken abruptly by the neck <laughs> to say, you need to do more. You need to do more. Otherwise, we're going to give up on you at some point. Because after a year and a bit, Alright, last year was a car crash for everybody, not just him. I I'm struggling to see a player in there. And it, yeah. it mystifies me that he gets he gets called up for the French under twenty one squad yeah. based on what? Um well, so, one of the
2: greatest strikers in the history of the game. Yeah.
5: Absolutely. So I'd I'd love to, I'd I'd love him to be able to do it, to be, you know, this season, that impact sub that comes on for twenty minutes and, and scores a goal. You know, you should be looking at Ryan Fraser. Mm. You know, Ryan Fraser comes on and scores a goal. He's probably fed up. He's not in the first team, but he comes on and he's, he's positive and he, he has an impact. Second Mara just doesn't do that. And, you know, he needs to, otherwise his Saints career, I think is going to be um, pretty
2: short. I think Tubby agrees with you. He said here, I'd like to see Mara drop to the B team, get him game time and confidence, not out of punishment, but for development. So I think, uh, yeah, the general consensus is probably uh, very much the the same around that, Glenn. So excellent. All right. Well, thanks for all your questions. I'd like to finish with uh, an email we received from Norman Cummins this week. Um, Norman wrote, thank you for giving me an entertaining and instructive show every week. I've lived in France for 17 years. So do not see any live matches, just highlights your insight and honest assessments are very interesting. I was first taken to the Dow when I was about seven. These were the days of George O'Brien and Derek Reeves, etc. in the old third division. Then into the 60s with the likes of Ron Davis, Martin Chivers, Terry Payne, etc. A highlight was enjoying a great cup run in 1962-63 when we drew away to first division Nottingham Forest one all The replay was then 3 all having been 3-0 down with about 10 minutes to play before a fantastic second replay, as was the case in those days at White Hart Lane winning 5-0 with David Burnside being the star. I'll always remember promotion in 1966, going to Leighton Orient with alongside 20,000 supporters to clinch promotion with a one-all draw. Since then, it's been many ups and downs. Let's hope now there are good times ahead for Saints with the help of this board. Keep up the good work. Regards, Norman. Thanks so much for getting in touch, Norman. Obviously, we uh, always love uh, receiving messages like that. If, like Norman, you'd like to contact TSP, please just email podcast at yahoo.com where our head of communications, which is me as well, will pick it up <laughs> and uh, coordinate accordingly. Brilliant. Just to finish off this week, then, I, I, I wanted to, to briefly reflect on uh, Thursday's football content awards up at uh, Anfield Stadium. Um, as many of you will know, uh, we were nominated as one of 10 finalists in the 2023 Best Podcast Football League category. Unfortunately, we didn't place in the top three. Um, we must congratulate Peter Chairman, darren mccantony on finishing first again with his hard truth podcast and the borough breakdown and derby's ram cast for picking up silver and bronze um i'm delighted to say that the man behind most of our magic alex our producer has jumped on to have a, a chat as well so alex good evening to you nice to see you uh this side of the mic for a change um there's uh, alex's face for everyone that's never seen him before um <laughs> yeah. look, obviously it was a shame that martin couldn't make it due to his work commitments but um your your thoughts on the event and a good couple of days together for the pod team? Yeah, it was great. I really
1: enjoyed it. And uh, I mean, you know, we will start working together in the last few years, kind of uh, pandemic, I suppose, and, and onwards. So we've only actually all met once. Uh, as a team, so this is our second, apart from the TSP 200 last year, this was our second outing as as a team. So it was great to kind of spend personal time and actually kind of have more than a 10 minute chat either side of a podcast with, with everyone. Uh, yeah. And the event was cool. I mean, it's great to see that many podcasts all you know championed in one room, a couple of fans from wherever over the country. And obviously, yeah, it was a shame we didn't come away with anything, but really cool to, to take part, I think. And I was, you know, touched by the kind of, uh, what the kind words and things we'd received on the up to the awards as well. So that made it all worthwhile.
2: Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, Glenn, I, I think from uh, sort of the the reflections of uh, you and me sat in the kebab shop at half past midnight on Thursday night that you enjoy Liverpool as uh, you enjoy Liverpool as well. I think the, the vinyl shops in particularly, right?
5: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Spent spent a bit too much money, which I'm told my wife about. So hopefully she doesn't watch this yet. Um, no, I'd, Liverpool's a cool city. Um, it really is, and our um, our feelings towards the football club shouldn't uh, detract from that. <laughs> no, it was a, no, it was a cool place. It was a, it was it was a good place to hold it. Um, Seven pound fifty a pint in Anfield is not great, however. Um, I, I will say that um, I thought the north was supposed to be cheaper, but uh, but there you go. So uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the event. Obviously, uh, it was nice to be nominated, but you know when we got there, I, my competitive um, instinct <laughs> took over, and I wanted to win it. But uh, I suspected we were struggling when we saw the seating plan, and we were practically sat closer to Everton's ground than we were to um, to Liverpool's. So we were virtually out in the road, so uh, we did we did think that uh, it it might not go our way. But uh, yeah, no, our category was predictably won by the uh, by the Peterborough chairman who didn't turn up, and the uh, the nine sort of fan led podcasts, um, you know. Everyone did turn up, so it it would have been nice, in my opinion, if um I I wouldn't have had any issue whatsoever if Millsborough, Derby, Hull, whatever had won it. You know, someone who puts together content like ourselves. Um, so that was yeah, it's a little bit disappointed from that point of view, but uh, but there you go. It was uh yeah, it was a good it was a good event. It was uh yeah, it was great to see everyone there. Um, I, I like seeing sort of um. Some of you know some of the youngsters who, who put stuff together who were like, you know, sort of sixteen, seventeen, you'd think, oh, fair play. You know, yeah, that that really is that really is a good thing, as I'm at the other end of the age range with regards. Yeah. I did feel like the oldest person in the room at one point. But uh, but yeah. no, it was a good uh, it was a good day. And uh, I don't know whether to say you know, like like we do when we lose a lose a match, you know, we we go again. Uh, I'm not sure. We pod um, on. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean it drives it drives you to make try and make this podcast better, but yeah. on the other hand, do do we need external validation as long as our as long as our core audience likes it and we get enough positive feedback from the, the Saints fans to um you know, to 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 feel good about what we put out and um yeah, just like personally i'd just like to say thanks to everyone for um for voting for us that was just um it was really cool to get the amount of engagement that we did so yeah
2: thanks very much i'd absolutely echo that and i think yeah incredibly grateful to everyone who's uh voted and supported for, for tsp throughout the, the process just before i get further i, I love how uh prim and proper nick's been he's putting his finger up to ask a questions <laughs> so uh <Yeah>. obviously <laughs> people in the audio will be able to see that well, nick over to you
0: no, I was just—I was just going to say the, the point of this pod surely is that it is a community of Saints fans who want to talk about San, Saints. And you don't—you know—I—I I tuned in as a fan. I love listening to this pod. I like—you know—you were hosting before when I started listening. Then like Glenn, like Steve, and like Alfie, you know the Jacob, whatever the guys. It's a community pod. the The point of it is that the people who listen to it enjoy it and feel a part of it. And yeah, of course, it's great to get external validation, but. When you've got a fan voted um, occasion, people who've got big social followings are going to are going to are going to do better. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't beat yourselves up. I mean, I listen to the podcast because it's good fun and. And that—that's what's the most important thing. And the fact that you got a night out in Liverpool, had a kebab at half past midnight, and spent two hundred pounds <laughs> on second-hand records—that's all to the all to the good. Not well, quite that much,
2: <laughs> to my wife. If you're listening, <laughs> five hundred. I think.
0: When
5: you came yeah, out, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Hello, bring hello. it on. And, uh,
2: and, and Alex, <laughs> there, I mean, obviously, we we're very grateful to the the patrons. Um, you know, like Nick and and those all around the world that support the podcast mm. and keep it going. We, you know, as Nick rightly said, you know, having the likes of George and Alfie and Jacob and Dan and people like that that bought that insight, it's it's felt like, I suppose, just to close off this section, twenty twenty three's felt like a. A really good year, and and obviously all the guys, Martin, everyone puts a lot of effort in and our own spare time to do this. But it does feel like the pod has grown a lot, and obviously we're excited about next year. But as Nick Mm -hmm. rightly says, it's about the people that watch it and enjoy it and feedback.
1: Yeah, and I think that's been one of the best things about working on the podcast for me is watching this community sort of grow and grow each year. I think I'm coming to my fourth year working on the Top Saints podcast, and every year just the audience sort of doubles, triples. It's just doing so well every year, so. It's really nice to see that community grow. And it's also nice in the last few weeks alone, that we've had more and more people picking up the pod for the first time. They're, you know, new supporters from overseas that are looking to learn about Southampton and they're going back over old episodes and, and sort of trying to learn about the team from like listening to the episodes that way. So it's all just kind of really astounding and surreal to hear that each and every week, so yeah, it means a huge amount. Uh, everyone who got to vote for us and and seeing all that positive feedback come in over the last sort of couple of months really was uh, yeah, it made it all worthwhile for sure.
2: Yeah, and, and Glenn, look, from our point of view, you and me, I mean, I, obviously the night wasn't a complete disappointment, was it? Because uh, a <laughs> thrilling a thrilling comeback in the pool Hall uh, ahead of Anfield <laughs> saw us triumph three two over Alex and Alfie. I mean, I was thinking about this Liverpool. 2-0 come, uh, come back, win 3-2. I mean, we've not seen scenes like that since Kuman ran down the line in 2016, have we? So I know, I know you're going to say the turning point is that we were 2-0 down and I went to the bar and when we came back, it was 2-1.
5: Yeah, that's right. I'll yeah. As soon as you disappeared, I won a game on my own. No, the actual, um, the actual turning point was discovering that our cue had a right angle bend at the end of it, <laughs> yeah. and when we all started using the same cue, suddenly Alfie's tactic of just smashing the living crap out of everything just didn't, you know, just wasn't as effective anymore. And um, yeah, we 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 come back and the the experience beat uh, beat youth.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, just to say once more, we uh, we really did appreciate all of your votes, love, and, and feedback during the 2023 Football Content Awards. We were indeed very proud to represent TSP at Anfield, and who knows, maybe next year, eh? Okay, so that's it for the end of this uh, podcast. Don't forget that you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. It's just at Total Saints Pod, as mentioned at the start. We're also on Patreon, where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution. Just visit patreon.com, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash Total Saints podcast. Each of our four tiers comes with its own perks, including weekly shout outs for those patrons in our Francis Benali and Mick Shannon tiers. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile, Gavin Ford, James Harron. Nicky Nicholson, Southampton NY and Drew Dyer in the Francis Benali tier. And in our Mick Channon tier, Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Hinkston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, Nick Reed, Paul Stewart, Phil Horstrup and Matt Hall, who has moved from the Francis Benali to Mick Channon tier this week. So a big thanks to you, Matt. My appreciation to Glenn, George, Nick and Alex for tonight and to all of you for your questions and comments. Thank you for watching and listening and we'll see you after the Huddersfield game next
4: weekend.